Let's take the Bible tonight and we're going to go to uh, Matthew 28 and we're going to go in every other place in the Gospels tonight. So what I did tonight is that we're going to put a lot of the verses on the screen for you just in case you can't get there fast enough. But if you want to put a place basically at the last chapter of each of the Gospels, then you'll get an idea of where we're, uh, where we'll be turning, and you can kind of flip them back and forth. This this week, as I was getting ready for this morning, I was I was. Uh, it's a little easier when you already have the passage picked out where you're going to study from. But when it's something like Easter, it's really there's like four places you can choose from. In fact, a lot of the people that a lot of, I have a lot of friends on on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and they're sharing kind of what they're what they're preaching about and most of the people that I that I heard today weren't even in the gospels they were in Corinthians or Romans where it talks about the resurrection and so this this but this week I was trying to debate between the four gospels and was thought that it would be helpful for me to kind of piece together the entire resurrection Sunday chronologically because each of the gospels tell it uh, with a couple of different details and so I had like four pages of notes just by doing that. That took a good a good chunk of my time. And then finally when, when I settled in John and we went through what we did, and I was looking, I had like four or five pages of extra notes that were just going to fall to the wayside. And I thought, let's do this Sunday night. This is this is uh, good. As I, as I, even as I was thinking about how the disciples must have felt on, on, sun, on that Sunday night, uh, how their heads must have been spinning before they actually saw Jesus resurrected up to that point only three people had seen Jesus okay so this is where we're we're kind of putting ourselves in that frame of mind Mary and two men walking on the road to Emmaus uh, the disciples are just they're just they're, it's been a busy day it's been a it's been a really crazy day with a lot of rumor flying around there's the rumor flying around that Jesus is risen there's the rumor perpetuated by the Pharisees and the and and the uh, the soldiers that the disciples stole the body, and so I imagine, you know, there's people knocking on their door. What'd you do with the body? You know, and, and they're saying, "Well, we don't, we didn't take it, and we heard he was alive again." And how crazy is that? So all of these things going on, and I thought it would just be good tonight if, if, to just kind of put all the stories together. I've never put them all together. I've always read them independently, but tonight, uh, do my best to, to kind of take you from uh, where we started this morning uh, with Mary going to the tomb. And then work our way through the rest of the, the of this. Actually, it's just the one day that we're going to be we're going to be uh, looking at tonight. So uh, with that, I had like four things. I had like long nails. I don't know what they were doing in the desk, but they were there, and they worked great for book. So I got them sticking out of the end of my Bible, and I was flipping back and forth. It never dawned on me I could have used my computer because you can flip a lot easier on a computer. But I had them in there, and I was doing. They're still in there. And uh, but anyway, so it, there there were maybe some extra details that. I, I left out, but uh, just in an effort to get through it in one evening uh, and in a timely fashion, there's about 17 or 18 things that uh, points there just as maybe tried to condense some things. So we'll look through those. Uh, so if you want to keep up, uh, turn with me. you got all the verses there in front. My outline looks just a little bit different than yours. But uh, let's start in Matthew 28. Uh, Matthew 28 is uh, the last chapter in Matthew. If you want to go to Mark uh Mark uh, 16 and Luke 24 and John 20. You can go to all those places and keep four fingers there. But then again, you might just give up and look at the screen. 
but they're all written there if you want to take some notes as you go and uh, just kind of lay out the story as it goes. Not with the intention, normally on a Sunday night, I'm trying to teach something and trying to deliver some t- a lesson. There is, there is a, a point to all of this, but the, the primary reason is just to get a almost like a walk through Easter Sunday. So we can kind of unpack what happened. We know what Easter Sunday was all about, but most of the time when we describe what happened on Easter Sunday, we talk about an event. I don't even know if I mentioned this this morning, but do you ever realize that the actual resurrection is never mentioned in the tomb or in the Bible? The Bible doesn't actually talk about how Jesus rose from the dead. It just, he died, he was buried, and he was alive. It didn't actually say, this is how, this is what happened. And, but that's really all we talk about with Easter, but there's so many other things that happen, and it's just crazy uh, to, to try to put them all together. And, and so with, to my best ability, uh, we'll see how this goes. Matthew 28 and verse number 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to, to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to the sepulcher. There's another Mary there. I said this morning there was probably about five ladies that went, and we see that in, I think I gave you all the references. We're not going to look at every one of the references in the sheet, but uh, Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 20, uh, all tell different, different. Uh, uh, it gives different things. They don't contradict each other, but some will say will focus on Mary, like John, and others will focus on the women. And there are some questions and uh, things that we can't necessarily be certain about, but I'll explain those as we get there. So these four women, they, they went to the tomb. It was early Sunday morning. It was still dark, and they're and they're making their way to the tomb. As I said this morning, they were. Passover had just, I'm sorry, Sabbath had just ended, and so now they were allowed to do this. And so this is the first opportunity that they had to go to the body since Jesus had been put into the tomb. Uh, this is their first opportunity to be able to, uh, to to take care of the body there. So they go, and, and here in, in Matthew 28, it only speaks of these two ladies uh, that, uh, that are approaching the tomb. And it says there in verse number, uh, we'll keep reading a little bit, verse number two, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. Now there's some question as to whether or not the angel descended and sat on the stone as they approached or if he was already there when they, when they showed up. But uh, nevertheless, they, they have this conversation uh, with the with the angel, uh, they knew where the body was because if we back it up to chapter twenty seven, the day or two days ago, two days before that, or three days before that, they had seen uh, Jesus uh, being buried in verse number uh, verse number sixty one. Uh, well, back it up to verse uh, fifty nine. Uh, when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it up in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. So there was Joseph's uh, intention to uh, block the tomb. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. That's why verse 1 of chapter 28 only mentions these two Marys, because they were the only two mentioned earlier. Now the next day that followed the day after the preparation, this is when the chiefs, priests, and the the Pharisees decided to, to actually seal the tomb. But we saw there in verse number 61 that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting over again. So they were watching while Joseph is rolling the stone away. They saw this is where he's buried. They knew exactly where he was. So uh, there wasn't a question on, where are we at the wrong tomb? When they showed up and they realized that his body was gone, there wasn't a like, are we at the right place? 
They knew it was there, and they knew how it should have looked. That's why when they showed up to the tomb, they had certain expectations of what, sh nothing should have changed. And that, but that definitely, uh, definitely changed according to what they had been expecting. So uh, the tomb had been covered with a stone by Joseph, and then we saw in verse number 66 that it was covered and sealed uh, uh, and then guarded as well. So in verse number 5 of chapter 28, as we read there, that the, the ladies there, uh, they, they come and they find the stone rolled away and the angel sitting on top of it. I watched some really uh, interesting videos this week of, uh, of, a, of a guy that has, has been exploring these tombs in, in Jerusalem and around, around there. And, uh, you know, I always kind of pictured this, this uh, big tomb, you know, this big cave with a big giant boulder that they rolled in front of it. And, uh, you know, and in like just a little mini cave, you know, that they would have uh, no, you know, not much room for more than a body. But uh, the caves or the, the tombs that they would build, especially not the natural caves, but the ones that they would actually uh, chisel out of the rock were very intricate and even had several levels where uh, they would it would go into one and then there would there would be stairs that would go down deeper into another area. And they would have uh, special places where they would put the bodies and then. I think after one year, they would take the, the bones after they had completely decayed. They would take all the bones and they would put them in a, in a box and then they would put the box in a new place and make the, keep the bed you know, open for another, another body to come in. And they would do all these things. And, so there, and there was enough room for lots of people to gather there. And uh, the way that we would gather maybe at someone's graveside, but they would actually go into the tomb and uh, be right there with the body. So, uh, so w all that to say... When, you know, I kind of always pictured, you know, there's this, there's this big mountain with a hole in it, and that's where the, and the rock is there. Uh, but uh, it's very likely that there was just, it was, a, it was a rock that was made specifically to cover that hole. And so the, but it was big enough that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, well, these two, these women didn't think they would be able to roll it back. So it was, it was, it was large, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a boulder that, you know, it wasn't a mountain-sized boulder blocking the, blocking the tomb. But the angel came there, and it's significant that the angel rolled the stone back, so it was probably more than what a one man could do. I'm, I'm thinking several men moving this stone in the, in the way. But uh, the, the angel comes, and he's sitting on top of the stone. And he says in verse number, verse number 5, he says, uh, he says a couple of things. The first thing is don't be afraid. Every time an angel comes to a person, that's usually the first thing out of his mouth. Don't be afraid. Even every time Jesus comes to people, don't be afraid. Because... It's very scary. They're, they're, uh, to see an angelic being, to see God, to see, and usually when he shows up in the type of circumstances he does, it's not a calming thing. It's, I'm in big trouble. I'm going to die. I've seen, I've seen something that I shouldn't see. And so he, he, he tries to calm them, but he says, I know you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He's not here for he's risen. And, he's, and he, as he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. Past tense. He used to be here. Let me show you where he used to be. He already, they already saw that. They've already seen this. They've, they were there when it happened. But he's showing them he's not here anymore. Come and I'll show you. Uh, now here's, here's, a little bit of, uh, here's a little bit of question. As we go, if you want to go to Luke 24, as I was trying to kind of keep track of these angelic encounters, Matthew uh, makes, makes me think of a, an angel outside of the tomb sitting on top of the rock, and saying, come and see in. Luke chapter 24, verse 2, it, it uh, kind of continues this story, and it says they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them 
in shining garments. So here's the second, uh, here's the second uh, uh, encounter. Now Mark, if you, I'm, I don't think that's going to be on the screen, but Mark 16, verse 5, it, it makes me think that there's possibly a third encounter. And that is, uh, it's, it says here, uh, verse number 4, it says, When they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were frightened. So this could be the same, the, the, the wording just a little bit different because of the, the different gospel perspectives. Or it could be that they, and as the way I pictured it was, they walk up to the tomb, they approach the tomb, they see an angel sitting on the rock, because that would have guarded the, gate, the, the entrance. He says, come see the place of the Lord Lake. Go on in. They, they go on in. They get there. And inside, remember, as, as I said, it's not just one big room. There were several rooms in there because they would, they would build that for members of the family. That would be the family tomb. And there were, there were different levels even. And inside those things, what they would do is they would, take a, uh, they would seal off each of those. So they'd like dig a little, a little place, and that's where they'd kind of like the morgue. You know how? Well, I don't know if you've ever been to the morgue, but I've seen a lot of cop shows, so I know what the morgue looks like. But you know how they have that big wall, and it's like a bunch of filing cabinets, but it's full of bodies, and that's where they stand over the body, and that's where, like, you know, he finally solves the case. Well, that's that's kind of what they would do there. They they chisel out this six foot section of of rock, and then they they place the body there. Well, then they would seal that up too. Uh, then they, and they, they would put a rock there too. So uh, it could be that this was this was that, and then that rock was moved for them, and then the angel sitting on there, and he's like, yeah, he's not here, because that's when Mark. Uh, Mark 16 kind of makes it sound like it's a a totally different thing. I'll read it again. It says, Entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. He saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they lay him. So it's a little bit different than what the angel that seems to be on the outside was saying, although he says a lot of the same things. I don't necessarily think it's neither here nor there, but uh, just for our narrative, I'm kind of seeing maybe as a, as a third angel. So we go back to Luke, because that's where you were. They are standing in there. So if they walked in, they've already seen an angel out there, told them to go on in. They stand there. There's an angel sitting there, right outside of the, you know, sitting on the rock. And he's like, yeah, see, they see where he was? He's, don't be afraid. He's not here. This is where he was. It wasn't come see. It was, he's right here. But then, as they're standing there perplexed, Luke tells us in Luke 24, verse 4, it says, and it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. So now there's two. And it says in verse 5, as they, and as they were afraid, with good reason, and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? So here's a separate encounter. Maybe it was the same angel and another guy appeared. Maybe it's two different angels. But they're, now they begin asking the questions. They're standing there like, now, now, what's going on? Again, with good reason. They watch this body go in, and usually dead bodies don't go out. And so they're wondering what's going on. It's just like two days ago or three days ago that they saw this happen. Why is this, why is, why is it happening like this? And the angels come and rather than appeal to their human reasoning going, I know it's hard to handle. I know it's a lot to take in. They're, they're asked, they're kind of, it's almost a rebuke. Like, why are you looking for someone who's alive in a place where only dead people would go? Jesus is alive. Why are you looking in a tomb for an, for an alive Jesus? And as he says, notice he says there in verse number six, remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. So they even say, don't you realize that this is what he'd been telling you all along? He will die, he will destroy the temple, and in three days he will build it back up again. And so uh, they, this is when the women go and tell the disciples at the 
uh, at the uh, at the encouragement of the angel, verse seven, saying, "The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again." They remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. Now, here's where there might be a little bit of confusion. I I don't necessarily uh, have a real solid grasp on may, what happened. What may have happened here? I read a couple of different things, and one of them seemed to stand out and make a little bit more sense than the other. So that's what I'll explain here. But I'll give you the other, the other one here. What, what we don't have in this narrative, by the way, is what we covered this morning, just because we covered it this morning. So I'll kind of, if you remember what we talked about, then I'll fill it in with what uh, what we're talking about, uh, with what we're going to talk about tonight. So they're standing there in the tomb. These five women, they're they're confused. They're 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 very you know bewildered about what's what's going on. The angels tell them. This is exactly what he said it was going to happen. Go tell his disciples. And so they go. Uh, now, it, it, we know that in John uh, 20, uh, and uh, we'll look in, since we're in Luke, look in Luke 24, verse 9. I think I may be skipping you up here, Rob, but uh, just if you want to go to the next one. Yep, there it is. Luke 24 and verse number 9. Uh, and they returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the leaven and to the rest. So, so the ladies generally went and told all the disciples. Now, there's some question as to whether or not all the disciples were in the same place or if they were separate. This morning, as we looked in John, that Mary went and told Mary Magdalene went and told Peter and went and told John. And so there's some question as to whether or not Peter and John were in a separate place than the other disciples. Uh, and so it, it's, it's possible that Mary split up and went and found Peter and John, and the other ladies went and found the rest of the disciples and told them these things. Um, can you back it up, Rob, to Matthew 28? Let's look at that verse just for a second. Matthew 28 and verse number 8, it says here, And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. So uh, what we looked at here, if, if, if Mary took off on her own, what we looked at in John this morning, then she sees, she's, uh, goes and gets Peter, brings Peter back, uh, and then sees Jesus after Peter leaves. Here's another occasion of Jesus appearing to some women, uh, to these other women, and, and if if not, also Mary. So maybe Mary was with them, and this was another encounter. Uh, but it kind of seems to me that that she was not with them. This happened at a different uh, at a different occasion. So in uh, uh, Matthew, we read about that. Uh, we go to Luke chapter 24, and we read how that happened with with those ladies. Luke 24 and verse number. Uh, verse number nine, and returned from the sepulchre and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna the, and, and Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. So they they go and they start telling the disciples, and nobody believes them. And you can't blame them, can't you? Because that's crazy, right? That a dead person comes back to life and yeah, he's walking around. Where where is he? Well, I don't know, but the angels said he was the angels that that you can't see. They told me that he's not, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And but what I do what I do have a tough time understanding, and, and I have to be fair, because I'm not there and I probably wouldn't be any different, but they had witnessed resurrections before. The idea of dead people coming back to life wasn't a new thing because they watched Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. They had just had dinner with him last week. And people were trying to kill Lazarus because his testimony was so great. Uh, and so the Pharisees were trying, and the priests were trying to kill Lazarus while they tried to kill Jesus because he was turning people to Christ. So they should have been like, well, if he could have do that to Lazarus, maybe he could have done it to himself. But 
they didn't get it, and I probably wouldn't have gotten it either. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I have the, I have the benefit of hindsight. So these ladies are going to, on their way to tell the disciples. Uh, the Bible tells us that they were, they were. Uh, uh, well, let me see. I skipped, I skipped something here. So, uh, the, the, the Jesus appeared to the women on their way to tell the disciples, and that's in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 9. As they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. Uh, so, you remember in John this morning, it said, Don't touch me not. I've not yet ascended to my father. I was always, always confused by that, because if he told Mary not to touch him, but then these ladies are like grabbing his feet, what's the deal? And I always thought it had something to do with, you know, you can't touch him because he hasn't poured the blood on the mercy seat or whatever. But when you look at it, what he, what he was trying to say, I studied it a little bit uh, this week, is that he was saying, don't hold on to me, just like he's not saying there, like, I have to go and ascend to my father. You can give me a hug. You can't not touch me. But they're worshiping him. He's just saying, you got to let me go, because i got to go ascend to my father. But go and tell the disciples to go to Galilee, because that's where I'm going to meet them. And he kind of moves everybody out of Jerusalem into a more neutral territory uh, to reveal himself a little bit more further to them. And this probably, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but this is probably not just the 12 disciples or the 11 disciples. Uh, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. That's very likely that that was the meeting uh, in Galilee. So uh, these, these ladies, they leave the tomb. Mark tells us that they left, and they weren't planning on saying anything to anybody. Mark 16, 8, they were terrified. They were speechless, and they were just afraid to tell anybody. But then Jesus meets them on the road and this is when they, they, uh, they fall at his feet and they worship him. And he tells them to go and tell the brothers, not necessarily the disciples, but his brothers. Uh, so this would be, I would think, more of the followers than just the 11. It is during this time, I'm on point number 10. I can't remember if that's your point 10 or my point 10. But uh, during this time, the guards at the tomb wake up and they go back into the city. And uh, since we're in Matthew, we'll read there, Matthew 28, verse 11. Now when they were going... Behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this has come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. First time I read that, I was like, oh, okay, they're kind of making up a lie. But I thought, no, these guys would be in even more trouble. What would you rather tell? An angel came, and we were powerless to defeat him. Or we were sleeping, and the disciples came and stole him while we were shirking our duties. Like You're going to get in trouble either way. You might as well go with gusto and something that is kind of believable. And but yet they, they went with it, and somehow these priests had the ability to uh, persuade the, the Roman leaders not to uh, hurt these guys. Do you remember when Paul was in prison with Silas, and they were, they were uh, uh, singing at midnight, singing praises? The earthquake came. Nobody left, but the Philippian jailer was ready to kill himself because he thought his prisoners had escaped. So that must have been the, the, um, the going rate for losing your prisoner. And here, you have a dead prisoner. You really shouldn't have it. This should be an easy assignment. We're going to camp out outside this tomb. Nothing's going to happen. He's dead. A couple of fishermen might try to come and cause a ruckus, but we're soldiers. And yet, uh, this proved to be a pretty tough assignment. And maybe, you know, who knows what happened to those, to those soldiers because of that. But uh, the, the story moves on past them. So they make up the lie to cover the resurrection. And now word has spread about the resurrection. And people are talking about it. As I said, there's a lie perpetuating. There's a lie going around Jerusalem. And there is the, the, uh, the, the, the truth or the question about what the truth is going on. 
So at this point, a couple of ladies know about it, and that's it. Go to Luke chapter 24, please. This is an incredible story. I was going to just spend the entire time right here tonight, but uh, I didn't. So we're going to be just for a little bit tonight. Luke 24, verse 13. This is the men traveling on the road to Emmaus. We know one of them was named Cleopas, uh, but we don't know who the other guy was. So you can just make up a name for him. It says in verse number, uh, verse uh, 13, uh, and this is, I think that what happened was, this happened a lot later. A lot of this stuff happened uh, maybe as the the women, if if it's, if it's true that Mary left and went and found Peter and John, and that whole scenario was happening, the other ladies start telling not just the rest of the disciples, but all of the disciples, like all the other brethren, not just the, the big 12, but all the other guys. And these two guys are part of that, and they're hearing it. Well, it's time for them to get back going home. They live in Emmaus. Emmaus is about seven miles away, and so it's time for them to start going back home. So they're going back home, and they definitely have plenty to talk about. And so that's what that's what we're, we're reading about here. Verse number 13, Behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs or seven and a half miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So now they just got a third traveling buddy. Again, they don't realize who it is, and so uh, Jesus begins to ask questions. He says in verse number 17, um, and he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? He said, What's going on, fellas? What's so sad? I mean, you guys are, are kind of discouraged. You're downers. What, what's the problem? And they say, this is, I wonder if they realized how disrespectful they were to the Son of God after they realized it was the Son of God. Because they say this, um, and, they send, and he said to them, uh, I'm sorry, verse number 18, one of them said, whose name is Cleopas, answering, said to him, maybe that's why the other guy's not mentioned, because Cleopas is the one with the little snarky remark here. He said, are you, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on? Are you the only person in the world? What rock have you been hiding under? Well, actually, I was in a rock, and I came to life. But uh, anyways, he says, uh, uh, what uh, about last minute? Are, are thou the only stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And, and Jesus continues playing dumb. He's like, well, what things? And they say, they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet. Now listen, listen to their doubt here in, in what, who they thought Jesus was supposed to be. Which was a prophet. He's dead, remember? Mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. So they had some sort of a, a thing like three days is supposed to be significant somehow, but nothing's really happened. We've heard some crazy things, but we haven't seen anything. Verse 22, Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found out his body, they came saying that they'd also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but they saw him not. They could be talking about Peter and John here, or they could be talking about other disciples that went later on to see for themselves. And then Jesus uh, does not reveal himself to them, but uh, have you ever been in a conversation with someone that kind of insults you and you don't even really know them? And you're like, who are you? I mean, like, who? what gives you the right to, like, poke apart what I'm saying, like, get out of here, you know, travel on your own, you know, on your own, but that Jesus uh, just kind of rebukes them pretty, pretty sharply there, he says in verse number, um, uh, verse number 25, he says, oh fools, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered his glory, 
now wait a minute, I thought you didn't know anything about this Jesus, but now he's quoting a lot of scripture to them. He's telling them he's beginning, and says beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So for seven and a half miles, that's a long time to walk. I was figuring that out. That'd take a little while, okay, to walk. He had a long time to, and he starts from Genesis. I mean, he, he explains the entire Old Testament to them, and he explains how it related to himself. And, uh, and he does this for the rest of the journey. Well, verse number 28, as they near their destination, uh, it's been, it's really late, and Jesus pretends as if he was going to continue further, and these men beckon him to stay with them and eat with them. So he, they eat. Verse number 30, they, they sit down to eat. It came to pass as he sat with meat with them. He took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Now I wonder if it was the prayer, the way he talked to his heavenly father. I wonder if it is as he was giving the bread that they saw the nail prints in his hand, like they hadn't seen his hands yet. Uh, but however it was, their eyes are open and they realize it's Jesus and poof, he's gone. They had spent hours with him traveling and didn't realize it. And as soon as they finally realized it was Jesus, he's gone. Now get it, it's late at night. Easter Sunday is just about over. And they they were they were eating dinner, getting ready to settle down and go to bed. Seven and a half miles again. Keep that in mind. Verse 33 tells us though, uh, and they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 gathered together. They's like, hey, this can't wait till the morning. And they take off and go back to Jerusalem, seven and a half miles, and find the apostles and say the same thing that Mary just said. We've just seen Jesus. Now, at some point before this, Jesus appeared only to Peter. There's some references that Paul says in Corinthians, and it mentions it here, but we don't see it in the scriptures exactly when Peter appeared, or when Jesus appeared specifically to Peter. But it says there in verse 33, um, verse 33, uh, verse 34, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. So this is kind of where we picked up uh, this morning when Thomas said, you know, when, when Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it. This is when this is when it happened. So these men had run back. So now they're added to the very small group of people that have seen the resurrected Christ. And as they're telling the story, Jesus appears and they're like, yeah, see, we told you. I mean, this is this is corroboration right here. But what we find is that they had a tough time believing. Uh, I think I wrote the verse down there for you. Um, uh, verse numbers, uh, it's, it's Mark 16 and verse 13. Uh, as they're telling the story, they had a tough time. They had a tough time believing these guys until Jesus showed up. Even after Jesus showed up, they had a tough time believing. Is that in the screen? There it is. And verse 13, Mark 16 and verse 13. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Okay, I get that. Verse 14, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at me and abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So he's like, hey, you guys should have believed all these people. Uh, they, they were telling you the truth. Uh, and as the men are retelling their story, Jesus appears in the room. They're all startled and scared, thinking this is an apparition. This is this is not, this can't be happening. Jesus offered them, this is in Luke 24, verse uh, 36, that uh, Jesus offered them, verse 37, they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that, he had, that they had seen a spirit. They had seen, they had thought this before. Remember when he walked in the water? They thought it was a ghost. Nope, it's Jesus walking in the water. You shouldn't be surprised. 
oh, it's Jesus. He's alive from the dead. Oh, it's a ghost. No, it's Jesus. He's, and he's trying to convince them. And he's like, hey, behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still didn't believe, but this time for joy. And while they yet, while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said to them, have you here any meat? So now he's going to prove a spirit, ghosts don't eat. Give me some food. Been dead for three days. I haven't eaten anything. He gave him some fish. I would have asked for a cheeseburger. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said to them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened uh, their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. So um, when he fully explains the Scriptures to them, we won't read into it, but later he led them out to Bethany. And he taught them, and he sent it to the Father. He would come back a week later, because that's when Thomas was there. And Thomas said, hey, if I don't see the nail prints in his hands, I'm not believing him. And they said, but we saw the nail prints. He showed us. We watched him eat food. We touched him. We, 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 I patted him on the back. I gave him a hug. I, I, I heard him speak. I smelled him. I, I, I mean, all the senses, he's real. Thomas says, I won't believe it until I see it. We read about John there, uh, and... and um, how he reappeared in the in the assembly and called them out for their unbelief. Uh, let me let me just take a, a summary of, of what's going on here, and it's in your notes there. But this is kind of the the main, the secondary lesson, if you will, to other than the fact to just to kind of put all of these events together. This had been a very exciting day, a crazy day for the disciples, uh, and though it was unusual, very unusual, nothing like this had ever happened quite like this. All of it had been foretold by the script in the scriptures. If they had been paying attention, they would have seen all this. And really, we see this type of a story or the confusion and misunderstanding all throughout the Scriptures. Think about how Jesus' birth went relatively unnoticed, yet it had been prophesied. It had been specifically to the, to the, to the time and the place. And if they missed it, uh, many of them did. I think it's interesting here that the priests knew and anticipated the resurrection more than his own disciples did because the priest had the forethought to say, he said he was going to resurrect. We should stop that. And his disciples, there's no comment about them going, well, you know, remember, I mean, he did say that he would resurrect three days later and maybe we should go at Sunday. I mean, it's been the third day. Maybe we should go and see. They didn't. I mean, it was like they, they, they were dense. And again, I feel like I'm probably the same. I feel like I'm the same kind of guy. But um the, the, the truth here is that the, the, the truth had been right there for them to learn the whole time. And for us, it's the same way. The Scriptures has the answers that we need. We only need to search them out. We only need to, to dig in there. Now, I know that there is a, there is, sometimes there's a veil over the truth, and sometimes God uh, reveals it to us slowly. He revealed the understanding to them. But, I mean, it's there. Uh, I put two more verses in there for us. We also have an advantage that they didn't have during that specific time is that we have the Holy Spirit within us. And the Holy Spirit's job is to guide us in the truth. Uh, in John sixteen thirteen, there, he says that, that when Jesus said, he said, listen, I have to leave. It's best if I leave because if I do leave, I will send the comforter, I'll send the Spirit, and he will, uh, he will guide you in the truth. He will be your teacher. I also like what he says, what John tells us in his, in his uh, letter, uh, 1 John 2.27, he says that, uh, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things in his truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. Right before that, he said, you have, you have need that no man teach you anything. And it wasn't saying that, oh, I guess I don't need to go to church. I can just read the Bible on my own. 
what he's what he's teaching there is that uh, we are equipped by the Holy Ghost, and we need look no further than the Scriptures for truth. If you want to know something, I'm not talking about how to fix your car, but I'm talking about if you want to know something about life, right here. You know, there, there's a there's a time and a place for for psychology and 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 uh, all those all those different things to to address life issues and marital relationships and raising children and, and handling finances and all those things. And there's a lot of great resources out there, but really, if it's truth, it's going to be based in God's Word. Everything God wants us to know to live this life is here in His Word. We need only search it out and find it. And, you know, it's convicting to me because I think how often I've been walking around with a gold mine of truth, and how often am I digging into it and finding it? Well, you know, I'll get to it one of these days. Well, you know, it was a little bit tough. Can you imagine? You inherit a gold mine. Everybody in town knows there's at them hills, there's gold in them hills, right? It's on your property, and it's been like three years, and you still haven't started mining it yet. What, what's going on? Why don't you, well, you know, it's dirty, tough, hard. It wasn't right there. I walked out there one time, and there, it was just grass and rocks. I mean, you expect me to dig? Really? But what God says is, I've given you, not only have I given you my scriptures, I've given you my words, I give you my spirit. And he will guide you in it. But here, we've got to put ourselves in it. We've got to put our face in it. And we've got to spend the time in it. And as we do, the Spirit says, okay, this is, this is, I'm going to guide you in it. Have you ever read a verse that you read a thousand times before? And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, is this new? Did you just add this? I, I did not realize this. And sometimes I'm embarrassed. The things that I learn, and I'm excited. And I go and tell someone, they're like, yeah. Yeah, you didn't know that. Oh, I didn't. I, I'm sorry, but that, you know that the, the Spirit guides us in the truth, and we and equipped by the Holy Spirit, we can learn what God wants us to know. Again, I think it's so incredible to watch the change. It's like the apostles are totally different people after this. The 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 Christianity as a whole is totally different after this. They are, and Jesus isn't even there present with them. They're just, but they're on fire. They are, they are passionate. They are, I mean, they're just, they're hardcore. And it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder for them. And they, and they do it equipped by the Spirit. They, they've got a devotion to the Word. And it's just, it's an incredible day. And I just can imagine that Easter Sunday night. Uh, man, it must have been just, must have been an incredible thing. They must have stayed up really late that night, finally putting all the pieces together. I imagine they probably went home that night and pulled out their Old Testament scrolls and started rereading and going, you know what? I think that makes a lot more sense. That's what he meant when he said this. That's what he meant when he said this. And uh, it just it just opened it up. And the the one well the what what's the one pivotal point? The resurrection of Christ. He is alive, and that made all the difference then, as it does now. <laughs>